presented by Baller TV, Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. I'm a Venice, California-born, Los Angeles-based sports fan, one that has played, coached, announced, and promoted sports my whole life. My love affair with sports started in my own backyard and has led me to this podcast. Thanks to the support of the Amateur Athletic Union in East Bay, I'm excited to bring you Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. In 1975, John Wooden, the greatest coach in the history of college basketball, finished off a remarkable career with a championship when the UCLA Bruins won their 10th NCAA title. Well, Coach Wooden, I've been here many times, and I remember one time several years ago I said, well, John Wooden, what's new? You have just won your 10th national championship in the last 12 years, and it is, of course, your final night. Yes, it is, and I want to thank all those uh, that have watched the game on television because you're basketball fans, and it was a tremendous ball game uh, both ways, and uh, I'm just happy it's over. Wooden's retirement opened the door for colleges from the Midwest and the South to take over and dominate the NCAA tourney in the second half of the 1970s. UCLA made one last run to a championship game in 1980, but that would be it for the West region for the upcoming decade. In 1979, a novel sports network began broadcasting over a new technology, cable TV. ESPN began carrying Big East Conference and tournament games, and the power dynamic of college basketball soon shifted East. Not long after that, other conferences in the East, like the ACC, were on ESPN. Top high school players from the West, in particular, talent-rich Southern California, headed to the Big East and ACC conferences for exposure. 10 college teams from either the Big East or the ACC made it to the NCAA Tournament Finals in the 1980s. It was 1984 when the 16-year-old Pump Twins, Dana and David, started their first basketball camp. While they didn't have the name recognition of other camps in LA, ones that were run by the likes of John Wooden or Magic Johnson or Pat Riley. They made up for the lack of notoriety with an abundance of hustle and business savvy. Anything you do when you put a team together, if it's in work or play, you try to get good pieces and you have to have uh, great chemistry. By 1987, they had a loyal following and they attracted top talent. They also secured college coaches as instructors. I always say that when you pay $400 to attend Magic Johnson's basketball camp, you're paying for the name, Dana Pump told the LA Times in 1987. Our camp is only $100 and we have a good staff. The camp's success led the Pumps to form the California Cage Report, an instrumental publication that identified top talent in the vast Southern California prep basketball scene. With running so many camps and tournaments, I think our footprint and our antennas are all over they are. the country. Soon, pump and run AAU summer basketball teams drew young stars together and the pumps hosted elite tournaments, putting the spotlight back out west. By 1990, the collegiate basketball championship drought in the west finally broke. With proper identification of top players and prize recruits staying closer to home, UNLV won the 1990 NCAA title, UCLA won in 95, Arizona in 97. Who'd have known it was pumps that replenished the drought-stricken West? What was the scene, I mean, 
give my mind a little bit around the scene of club basketball when you first got involved, when, when you first took your team into it. Because I only remember like ARC and West Coast. So, so when and Dan then, and I, Rockfish, so, so, yeah, so when Dan and I really got involved, <clears throat> everyone would go to Dominguez High School on the weekend yeah, to yeah. the Slam and Jam. Slam and Jam. Uh, the late Izzy Washington, who had, a, who had a great platform for kids. And all the elite kids would go there. If you wanted to go play, you'd play on the weekends, slam and jam, because you had an opportunity to play with the best kids around there. And then, you know, every year a couple more teams. But in the early days, when we started, it was the Watch Musicians. And you had ARC. You you had a very select. And you only had a few tournaments. You had the BCI tournament in Arizona. And you had the Boston Shootout. You had the Boston Shootout. You had the Slam and Jam tournament in Long Beach. And, you know, as years progressed and so forth, more and more tournaments started, more and more AU uh, teams started. And, you know, now there are so many AU teams. Every father has an AU team. You know, every area has their own AU team. But there's still some great teams out there where the, the best kids want to go play for. Who was, uh, when, you, when you first started your first club team, who were some of the first uh, kids that came that you were, you were excited, Murray, you said, okay. Tracy Murray, Mitchell Tracy Butler. Tracy Murray. Uh, Paul, <coughs> Paul Pierce. Butler was Oakwood. Yeah, yeah. Paul Pierce, AC Earl was our first big star. Okay. We went to play at uh, Iowa. Iowa with Bruce Pearl, and we knew Bruce Pearl when he was assistant coach at Stanford for Tom Davis, and, and Bruce is, you know, took his team at Auburn to the Final Four and, and so forth. <laughs> and, you know, there's just um, – L.A. is a hot – a hot base for great players. Yeah. You know, back in our day, early on, it was New York City. But most of the kids in New York City now leave New York City and go to prep schools. The L.A. Unified Schools, mm-hmm. uh, besides Westchester and Fairfax, all these kids now are going to private schools. Yeah, they're going to private it's schools. It's extinct. You, when, when you first started, I would imagine, I mean, it's similar, like, you know, I, I did coaching too. And now when I revisit with some of my old players that have grown up, there's a spiritual return on investment. And you feel good, like we were talking before, about hearing from some of the, but you were so young when you started. Did you realize how you were shaping young people's lives? No, but it's really good when young people or people reach out to us. Like we were with uh, Dave Miller the other Mm. day, and Dave was telling me uh, a kid from Army that he recruited from our camp is a big doctor in D.C., Kevin Fricka. Um, There's so many, you know, just with running so many camps and tournaments, I think our footprint and our antennas are all over the country. And uh, the relationships, the way we became friendly with Denzel Washington, his son Malcolm played on our AAU team. And, uh, you know, for two years they were at every tournament, him and Pauletta, and just so much fun. And, you know, (laughs) I remember we had a, you know, 9 o'clock game in Vegas, and at 8 o'clock in the morning, we go to 7-Eleven, Denzel and I. And I was just watching him walking in and just everyone's eyes would go crazy. It was like a flash. It's like, crazy. Yeah. But, I mean, the, the stories and, and uh, the great players. And, you know, today, Dan and I always say, every time I see Clay Thompson, hi, Mr. Pump. You know, so you, nice, you right? know Gilbert Arenas, yeah. James Harden. You know, last year there was an article that came out and, you know, Dan and I don't need any pat on the back, but, you know, Paul George said, you know, if it wasn't for Dan and David coming to Palmdale and finding me, we gave him a platform. He did the rest. 
I'm not going to take that away from them. And yeah. uh, but you know, it's great to see it wh- where they That's are good. now. It's interesting you say that about Denzel because I coached his daughter at Harvard Westlake Middle School, and um, he came out I think before his daughter played on my team. Said, "I hope she can play for you, coach." And and I said, "Hi, I'm Denny." Like, what are you supposed to say to Denzel Washington? Yeah. Like, yeah, I know who you are. He goes, "Denzel." I go, "Sure." Yeah, <laughs> it's like great. Um, so I recently was my boyhood idol uh, was Jerry West, and I got to interview him recently, and it was something else, right? But one of the things he mentioned I, I, that I always like, he he says whether he's building, whatever he's building, whether it's um, a team around him or an actual pro team, he looks towards character first. Like it's can you know this person perform, and what's the the sense of their character and can they work together as a group that's so much more challenging with summer basketball when you don't have the kids in you know in a school environment all day long they're over the summer and but somehow you guys found a way to do it you know what Uh, first of all have real coaches instead of a parent so we always wanted to have you Mm -hmm. know if it was Dave Rabibo the head coach of Harvard West like Christian Iran always have established really good coaches and, uh, you know, anything you do when you put a team together, if it's in work or play, you try to get good pieces. And you have to have uh, mm. great chemistry. It's funny, I was watching Coaching You yesterday uh, with a friend mm-hmm. of mine, and we were just talking, you know, junior college, there's a reason a lot of these kids are junior colleges. And the stories about all these kids are getting a second opportunity. With AU, you just have to have great chemistry. Yeah, that's, that's not easy. And, and you mentioned junior college, and, and we could even mention Division two and three. A lot of people just focus on the big names that you've had come through, but you've had plenty of people's names who we wouldn't recognize that got this great opportunity to come from a difficult situation and then get to college. You, you know what? Three. Mike Pemberthy, who coaches for the Lakers, um, you know, grew up in Fresno and went to uh, the Masters College. So there's great opportunities if it's Division Three, Division Two, JC, um, early in Dana's career. Uh, he was a junior college coach at LA Valley with Jamie Dixon, who's the head coach at TCU now. And, uh, you know, the stories, you know, we're still very close with Jamie, but the stories he'll always remember. And at a JC, you really got to hustle and get kids, and uh, all those kids are growing up. Yeah, they are. Uh, how do you... So you have so many kids that are coming through your camp, young men coming through your camp, playing on your team, your place have been colleges. Do you both just have photographic memories when it comes to names and places? With, with I was just not that bright, <laughs> but we, we have a, you know, a love for you know, basketball. But, and then we took it one, one step further. We started a, a search firm, and we hired the former president of the NCAA, Cedric Dempsey, and John Kasser, mm-hmm. and we did the Tennessee search and Mississippi, uh, Mississippi State, and we uh, just kept creating different things. But I just think when you're passionate about something, like our biggest passion is our legacy from our mom and dad, our, yeah. our, our foundation. It's 21 years. We've given away over $11 million. Uh, we have three wings named after mom and dad, and... I think that's our passion. You know, it's at the end of the day, it's what we've done for their legacy in, in Northridge Hospital and really touching a lot of lives there. And we're really, we, our fire is still really burning for that. Yeah, that's, that's it, it's obvious that, that that's going on. Um, one thing when I was doing some research, I didn't necessarily find um, 
a backstory. Where, where did your, your parents meet? Do you know where they My were? mom and dad, uh, my mom was from Buffalo, New York. My dad was from Oshkosh, uh, Wisconsin. Uh, the historian of the Pump family, he might know where they met. But uh, uh, they, they met after the war in, in Southern California. My mom World was, War. What? World, World War Two. World War Two. Yeah. Are you sure? I'm positive. <laughs> really? Yeah. And, and that, that was like right. in 1941. Yeah. That sounds then, about right. Yeah. And, and, so, the, yeah. and okay. then mom, <laughs> mom went to Marshall High School. Oh wow. And okay. dad and uh, grandma, grandpa moved here. And they moved over by uh, Poinsettia Park. And. Uh, that's, that's where you guys grew up. Yeah, we grew up right up the street from Poinsettia High School. That was at seven years old. Then we moved to the valley. Then, okay. we, then we moved to the valley. And, uh, you know, we had great parents. And, uh, you know, my mom didn't work. Her job was to, to raise her twins. And, uh, you know, the stories. I mean, we lived on Celtic Street in Northridge. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, Did I get under your skin a little bit that you, you grew up on Sutter Street and no, Laker fans? No, no. And, and it's just, you know, when we when I think about it, um, just the stories, I mean, I can't believe it, it's gone like that. Yeah. And uh, it's but been fun. But we wouldn't fun. change it for anything. No, no. no. It, it's been fun. Uh, the, the foundation came at, at the end, but I, I was wondering something. So <laughs> this is, it, it, it's fascinating to me. That starts with a camp when you're 16 year, years old, leads to elite camps. Now you're running events like the one in Las Vegas, and but you pivot because you're constantly finding the next opportunity. Absolutely. And then it's a coach's search. Yeah. And then from the coach's search, it came into like the hospitality yeah. game. Yeah. And then along the way, like everybody, the NCAA seems to just move the goalposts on you. Like you they, said, you said it the best anyone's articulated. You know, we're like the Yankees. You love us or hate us. Um, we never were involved with like selling players to schools. We our motto's been it's always about relationships. Mm -hmm. And got and I had a love for Ben Howlin. We had all the players, and Ben Howlin was two blocks away at UCLA. They should go to UCLA, but like you know. That was a great run for UCLA it was. and the guys we had. And uh, it, it was, you know, it was special. SC was really building something. And then, I mean, right, David, we never were really yeah, involved. Yeah, like, you know, like I The said, perception was like we were influencing yeah, kids. And, and like you said, like, they moved. They felt Dan and I were getting too much power. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we were just ahead of the game. And... Uh, you know, I, I just think, um, you know, back in the early 2000s, there were some great teams, and Randy Bennett at St. Mary's has built a great program up mm -hmm. there, and, and Gonzaga, and, and, you know, out in Arizona and so forth. And, you know, our teams were just good, and we had great players, and L.A. was loaded with... L.A. With, was loaded. Was loaded, just not our team. There were so many we other... Had, uh, Trevor Ariza we had, Jordan Farmer, Larry Drew... The Weir twins, uh, the guys, Holiday guys, brothers. Yeah, we yeah. so many you know names that bring up so many memories to so many, and also what you were doing, as well as other coaches, um, was providing an opportunity for 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 people, young people who needed an opportunity. Yeah. And I always feel often, even the CIF is is at fault on this, is that the rules. 
are disproportionately applied to football and basketball players because of the value of the sports upline. But you don't see those same rules applied to golf and tennis players. You don't necessarily see it. You can see skateboarders and, and surfers and various sports that can make money when they're young. But if a, somebody from a disadvantaged background suddenly is getting a better opportunity, there's a big problem. And that's always what's bothered me at some level about the NCAA. They seem to constantly change the rules to keep the standard. Yeah, I, 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 mean, I mean, I think things are definitely going to change more in favor as this yeah. year that a lot of players, uh, college athletes, can start having marketing deals, mm -hmm. So, um, which, which opens up a whole other can of worms. But I do think things are going to start changing better for the, for the college athlete. So um, I, uh, I know you guys, most of your work is with the foundation now, but I'm interested to hear your perspective on that. So tech, basically, um, uh, an NCAA college athlete can now monetize their image outside of their team. Is, yeah, that, but, fair? Uh, but is that fair to say? It's not going to be a lot of guys, you know, like, you know, maybe an elite swimmer. Mm. Uh, you know, water polo, there's not a lot of money involved in that. Mm -hmm. Track and field, the few elite ones. And the few basketball ones. Mm -hmm. So, 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 like if Zion was coming through, right, or uh, Johnny Menzel or Reggie Bush, those players can definitely um, monetize. monetize. What do you see them doing? <clears throat> no, I mean, like so, so, I mean, like so, a so, a if a kid goes to to a school in LA, or Reggie Bush, well, public storage. Yeah, you, mm. you can go. All, the Trojan. You know, all the people that own car dealerships, or if it could mm. be vitamin water. I mean, that's why, I mean, the NCAA is still trying to figure out the lane of what they can do and what they can't do. But there's going to be a select few every year that are going to have, you know, 5 million people on their social media that people are going to want to do deals with. The, 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 well, especially the ones that I, I would imagine, yes. the ones that are developing a big social media following in high school, like, like Mikey uh, Williams, right? Correct. You know, like he's got this massive social media. He yeah. would probably be more valued at a college given that's gonna bring more of a light to more athletes at that college. Yeah, and there's no question. And you know, Bronny James and so yeah. forth. But like the quarterback that just left Clemson, he would be someone that would, would be an yeah. ideal person that, you know, playing at Clemson, you know, potentially would have been a Heisman Trophy winner if he didn't get injured. There's still great opportunities. And I think all the, the fans in Clemson would want to support him. Yeah, I would think so too. Um, I, in, in looking and in, in just doing a little more research and just knowing you how I knew you before, I feel that you face something that a lot of people that are successful face, which you're always taking shots from people who didn't do what you did. Oh, I feel yeah, like yeah, you, you're, you're, people are shooting up. We, yeah, we, we, we learned now we would take the high road, but uh, <laughs> before we would never take the high road, we'd go right at them. But uh, I think. Girl. It's you're successful, you know, um, but you know, we were we had great values from our mom and dad. Treated people right. When a head coach would get a job, we'd send a bottle of wine next day. You congratulate him with the, our name on it. When they get the first win, we'd send a basketball from the Pump Brothers, painted up. Nice. Uh, for Christmas cool. one year, we did bobbleheads. So we were in front of every coach on their desk. And then ties. And then we did ties. And we nice. sewed in double pump ties on the back. And we'd send the tie for the color of the school. So we were always building relationships. And at the Final Four, 
you know, the biggest party every year is our party, the Pump Brothers, and we just kept developing relationships and we treat people right. And oh, without a doubt, people would come at us. Uh, and then the thing is, you have to have thick skin, and you know what? People read it and, and so forth. But, you know, someone once told us in, in the game of basketball, we were a lightning rod. Mm. And, you know, Dana and I, as Dana said earlier, we're like cowboys. You know, when you put the Pump Brothers' name, it was a lightning rod. It was interesting read. Hello and welcome to the Alpha Command Unit Campus in beautiful downtown Burbank for the SSDL post-show show of all shows. They make me say that. I'm Chris M. Allboard, and once again, I'm joined at the SSDL Sports Desk by the LA City Section Basketball 2007 and 2008 Western League MVP from Venice High School, Marley Rice. Thanks, Chris. And as we move from part two to part three, we will let you know that the third and final part of this docu-series focused on Dana and David Pump will be released on August 26th on YouTube and LA36 Cable TV. So make sure to tune in. But right now, it's time for everyone's favorite segment that we ripped off from the Dan Patrick Show. What did Dan Patrick learn? So then, Marley, what did the 1974 third-team All-State basketball standout from William Mason High School in Ohio learn? Well, Chris, for one thing, he learned that ESPN began broadcasting in 1979. Dan, at that time, you see, was an on-air personality at the rock station WVUD in Dayton, Ohio. I had no idea. Yep. Is that either. all? Yeah. Okay. But before we go, one update from the SSDL Newswire. Keep an eye out for the feature film Emily or Oscar. Hey, that was supposed to be my gig last night. They needed a piano player. It appears that SSDL host Denny Lennon landed a small role in the picture. That's the word on the street, Chris. Denny is taking the lead from Dan Patrick once again. Dan has appeared in over 20 films, including some of Adam Sandler's best works. Films like uh, Grown Ups and Grown Ups 2. Ah, yes. But as we know, Dan has yet to win an Academy Award for acting either, so we'll see. But the early reviews for Denny's work are encouraging. But only time will actually tell if he gets a nod for any film awards for his transformative performance as the piano player. Well, well that'll do it for this post-show show of all shows. We will see you again after part three of the Pump Brothers interview, right here on Sports Stories with Benny Lennon. Sports Stories with Benny Kick it out, yeah. book! <laughs> yeah.